are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Monday to recap a weekend's worth of action for your New Orleans Pelicans, going one and one loss to the Miami Heat on Christmas Day, and a very... Interesting and tight win over the San Antonio Spurs. We're going to break both of those down, then a couple of trends we're starting to see from this team at times. We'll get into that in the third segment in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans, so let's dive into it. All right, so on Christmas Day, the Pelicans fell to the Miami Heat 111-98 and what was overall, uh, for the most part, a pretty rough performance for New Orleans. This game got away from them early, and you do need to give the team a lot of credit for battling back in the third quarter, which they won 26-22, to but it was the second quarter which went 10 points in the favor of Miami, which gave them a 12-point lead going into halftime. And at that point, while New Orleans battled back, got it within six, it wasn't really meant to be for this team. Defense really killed them in this game, and Miami just seemed... Uh, like a better squad, which they are. So I don't know if this is one of those things where it is a a huge knock on New Orleans versus just kind of how it really was going to be. But New Orleans wasted a pretty incredible performance overall from both Zion Williams and Brandon Ingram. The two combined for 60 points. When you get that out of those guys, anywhere between 60 and 70, you need others to step up and score. And well, there was only one other guy in double digits, and that was... Um, uh, Josh Hart off the bench scoring 12. Steven Adams gave you six. Lonzo Ball gave you six points. Eric Bledsoe just five. Nicolo Melli one. JJ Redick eight. And he was off on the night. One of five from deep. One of seven from the field overall. And who knows if he has a better shooting performance. Maybe this swings a little bit closer and maybe the Pelicans could have gotten back in it. Um, and then you had Jackson Hayes who played minuscule minutes and didn't score whatsoever. It was basically just... You could see that the team wasn't very deep. That's a problem I thought for a little bit now. And when your starters overall aren't performing outside of those two, you're going to lose. They just didn't have the firepower to keep up with Miami. And the reason they needed firepower to keep up with Miami is, well, they were getting burned, particularly by Duncan Robinson from deep. And this is part of the Pelicans defensive strategy, too is take away shots at the rim and you're going to give up open three-pointers. It's not quite the same as what the Milwaukee Bucks do to an extreme. And you guys have heard me, if you've been listening to the show for a couple of years now, this is what the Bucks do. They will give up open three-point shots, ideally to not good shooters, and take away those high percentage shots at the rim. Well, New Orleans did a better job of deterring shots at the rim in this game, but... It meant that Miami's great three-point shooters were going to be wide open. Duncan Robinson hit four threes in the first quarter alone. Great for me. He's on my fantasy team. Kind of enjoyed it. This is also why I hate fantasy, because you're rooting almost against the Pelicans in a way. But it was bad for the team. That was not what they could afford to do. Duncan Robinson on the night, 7 of 13. Myers Myers Leonard, 3 of 5. Tyler Hero, 2 of 4. Iguodala made two threes. Avery Bradley made two threes. And overall, the Heat took 37 against New Orleans, made 16 of them. It's 43.2%. 
when you get a quiet night from some of your best guys, you're going to be in trouble. So it was the defense trying to take away shots at the rim, at the paint, and deter that, but it doesn't work against really good three-point shooting teams, which the Miami Bucks are. This is also one of the reasons, maybe the main reason, why Miami was able to beat Milwaukee in the playoffs. So the Pelicans kind of ran that strategy against the Heat, and well, you know, I, I'm not really surprised that it didn't work. So maybe you need to run something different. You saw some better overall play in the second half as players really stepped up. They've kind of done this now so far this season, and this is a bit of a theme that you'll see. I will talk about it in the next segment, too, in the win over the San Antonio Spurs. They are good at coming out with more energy. I don't quite know if they're the best at making adjustments just yet, and we've seen Stan Van Gundy struggle with some of that, but it's three games into his tenure. They need to make sure they're really prepared for the right opponent. Collapsing against the Miami Heat, probably not the best way. Now, Bam Adebayo only took nine shots. That's pretty good to get to the line eight times, but he finished with 17 points on the night, which for him is kind of quiet. I don't hate something like that. Jimmy Butler, who was injured, uh, was largely ineffective in this one. And then you got really good performances from Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson. But it kind of goes to waste. And it kind of reminded you a little bit of a lot of those big Anthony Davis performances. Didn't he have like 50 on opening night against the Denver Nuggets a couple of years ago and the Pelicans still lost? And you look at these games and you're like, what is going on here? And this is one of them where just the supporting cast, not good Enough, And it's something to kind of worry about. Eric Bledsoe has not looked great offensively, defensively coming up big. Um, you know what I'm talking about. We'll talk on, on that here in the next segment. But some of these guys really not stepping forward. And you're not seeing Stan Van Gundy maybe go with a different player to really try and see what he has in some of these guys or to see if they can just provide a spark when someone is clearly having an off night. Not that he should bench J.J. Redick or reduce his minutes or anything like that, um, but maybe when Bledsoe is struggling, you need to go with someone else. Maybe a Nikhil Alexander-Walker off the bench who didn't play in this game, who didn't play against the San Antonio Spurs, and there were times in that game that the Pelicans were cold. But this one was largely just... Yeah, they turned it over a little bit more than they wanted. The Miami Heat were better in the defense. Um, the strategy wasn't there as much, even though I thought the individual effort was pretty good. It's just they were beat by a better team. I don't really know what else there is to say about some of this. But you're seeing Brandon Ingram really blossom into an all-NBA level player. 28 points on the night, 4 of 8 from deep. The assists and rebounds were a little bit quiet, not the best. But it opened things up for Zion Williamson a whole lot more. 32 points on 11 of 20 shooting. He got to the line 15 times, made 10 of them. like to see that number improve. 10 defensive rebounds for 14 total that was a very good performance from him and continued his double double streak going right now so overall good performance from them not really the rest of the pelicans and it's somewhat concerning because you saw some of that carry over to the next game against the san antonio spurs which we're going to touch on coming up here in the next segment before we get to all of that, today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Look, it's a great time to be a sports fan right now. You've got bowl season for what's being played. Um, the NFL playoffs are really coming into picture with some key matchups coming up, and the NBA is well underway. There's only one place that has you covered and one place I trust, and that's BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. That's free money they're giving you right there. It's like you've already 
won a bet by just opening up an account with betonline.ag. If you're feeling good about the Pelicans, if you're feeling good about the Saints, or you know who's going to lose, never been a better time to get in on the action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Just make things a little bit more interesting to watch those games. And don't forget, use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Betting on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, quick hitting advice to make the po- the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. I've also been killing it with their lock of the day, so make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So after the disappointing loss on Christmas Day to the Miami Heat, the Pelicans took on the San Antonio Spurs in the home opener, which was, yeah, weird with 750 fans in attendance, fake crowd noise, clearly not the same thing. And this would have been a perfect day to have a Pelicans home game. Nice weather outside. The Saints weren't playing after playing on Christmas Day where Kamara scored six touchdowns, which was awesome. And make sure you check out the Locked On Saints podcast if you want to hear a little bit more about that with the awesome host, Ross Jackson. Um, and it would have been fun, but obviously not going to happen. But it was a fun basketball game with the Pelicans winning 98-95. This one was interesting because it was sloppy play to start the game from both teams but then the Pelicans really settled into a rhythm and you kind of saw the good and bad of them in this one but ultimately the good really uh, won out obviously as the Pelicans won a very close one sloppy first quarter but then the Pelicans really got into a groove in quarters two and quarters three you saw good individual defense and closing out on the perimeter and tough perimeter play Um, And then you saw them really getting it going offensively after both teams were struggling to shoot. Things got a little bit easier for New Orleans as they made some smart plays and just started getting their guys into the right spots to hit their shots. Obviously, Brandon Ingram big in this one, um, leading the way for the Pelicans again as he's been doing 28 points on the night, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. Playmaking for the team, you saw him out there ordering guys around on the court. Go here, Lonzo, so that I can do this or then you can do this or go here. um, Eric Bledsoe or Zion Williamson and being almost like a quarterback and they even said it on the broadcast Antonio Daniels pointed out you see him going through almost reads progressions out there like a QB does like Drew Brees does okay first options up there what's number two let's go to that okay that's not there it's time for the third one and then hitting shots when he just needed to get this team a bucket he started to wear down the stretch a little bit and in the fourth quarter you saw two bad turnovers from him when his shot was looking flat and things seemed to maybe be getting away from the Pelicans and it was a close game and they struggled in these situations last year but team defense bailed them out getting stops getting rebounds more importantly to end those possessions one thing that's worth noting on this though is the Spurs took a lot of threes late in this game and in the fourth quarter and basically missed them And they were open looks, and it kind of goes back to that defense that we saw against Miami that they've been running. Collapse the paint, take away that shot at the rim, and you're going to give up a three. If Spurs make two of those, this is an entirely different podcast that we are having in a different discussion. But they didn't, and sometimes it's a make-or-miss league, and frankly, there's better shooters in the Miami Heat than there are in the San Antonio Spurs. So I don't know if it's necessarily the bad sort of 
strategy for the team. So Brandon Ingram was great in this one. Zion Williamson struggled. The Spurs clearly doing everything they could to slow him down and even running a 2-3 zone against New Orleans to really take away that interior option for him. He finished with 18 points on the night, 11 rebounds, 5 offensive, 6 defensive, but he was active on the defensive side of the ball. When the ball got down low, trying to poke it away or get his hands in the passing lane, not even let that entry pass happen. 5 steals on the night from him. If he can give you that including a block too after he got beaten recovered pretty well for the block as well is exactly what you want to see out of him Steven Adams was massive in this game eight points for him nine rebounds it doesn't look very fancy but he was deterring shots around the rim doing exactly what you needed there and helping out with some great screens and just little things on offense that don't always jump out at you it was great to see on the broadcast that they were really pointing out a lot of the things that he was doing Eric Bledsoe tough shooting night 3 of 11 from him just 7 points he's been inconsistent to start this season and it's worse than maybe you would expect from him I don't think he's that much better of an offensive player than Drew Holiday was but this is definitely something Something. And it was noticeable that in crunch time in the fourth quarter with five minutes left to go in this game and it being really close, the Pelicans went with Josh Hart instead of Lonzo Ball with the starting lineup. Probably tells you how Stan Van Gundy was feeling about him and what he was giving you and just needing some other hustle plays from Josh Hart. It is worth noting, though, that when the Pelicans missed two free throws by Steven Adams um, and gave the Spurs the ball back with, uh, what, 10 seconds left or so and down three, it was Eric Bledsoe who was subbed in to make and then got that defensive stop. So he came through when it counted. And after being on the bench for most of the fourth quarter to come in and make a play like that, really great move by him to block that shot and ultimately have the Pelicans win the game. But it was probably closer than this game needed to be. Part of it was that you saw the offense really go through Brandon Ingram at the end of the game when he was very clearly tired. Though being that tired this early on is slight slight concern, but I think people are still getting their legs out um, and getting them under them. And maybe you saw it be a little too much ISO heavy, not as much off-ball you know, movement that can open things up and make it easier on Brandon Ingram. And you heard Stan Van Gundy actually say that in his pregame comments, that they're asking him to create for himself too much down the stretch, and that they need other guys, too, to take on some of that load. He's, he's very good at it. We've seen it, right? He's the man for the team. He's that guy who can get you a bucket when you need it. But when you're running everything through him, and it's all going with him, and he he's the guy that's got to do it all. It's easier to key on him and force him into those mistakes, like the two turnovers that he had that could have doomed New Orleans. This was a very easy game for them to win by a whole bunch, almost double digits at times. And look, J.J. Redick didn't shoot well again in this one, one of eight. 0 for 6 from 3, finished with 3 points off the night in almost 20 minutes of actions. That, that's not great. Um, and then you had Jackson Ace who really struggled in this one. We'll talk about him in a second here and probably into the next segment as well. So the Pelicans could have won this one by 10 plus points. They also easily could have lost by like 4 or 5 or 3, something like that. Or 1, 2, whatever. It could have been a close loss. Those were like the two other options here um, for New Orleans. This was not an easy one for them because of the struggles that you saw down the stretch. But the fact that they managed to secure those rebounds, even if it was on open looks for the San Antonio Spurs, you didn't see them do that last year. That is an improvement in and of itself. You saw very good defensive communication in this one. Guys talking to each other, knowing where to be, unless your name was Jackson Hayes. And overall, I liked what I saw out of them. 
The Spurs were getting looks. They were missing them, yes, but this is still kind of a growing defense. It's all a bit part of the design and the plan here. And I was happy. You saw great individual effort. After really struggling, they managed to come out in the second half in particular, the third quarter, and really put their their mark on the game. Brandon Ingram took it over for a little bit. They're very good at motivating themselves. This isn't Stan Van Gundy yelling at them in the locker room. This is the culture that they're trying to build, and you're seeing it pay dividends when these guys come out motivated themselves, not because someone screamed at them or gave an impassioned speech at halftime. They're able just to do it themselves. That's a culture thing. So you're seeing the ceilings of that, I guess, sprouting. I don't know if that's the right analogy there, um, into some very positive things for New Orleans. The big negative in this one is Jackson Hayes, and I'm going to be really critical of him here. And we're going to touch on this. Let's touch on it in the next segment. And then it's also probably going to go into tomorrow's shows. I want to talk a little bit about the rotation as well. So that's coming up here on Monday's edition of Locked on Pelicans. Today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They're healthy for you. They're good for you. That's what you want in a protein bar. And I guarantee you, if you go look at Built Bar's nutritional facts and compare them to the bar that you're using right now, Built Bar is probably better. They have some that have 180 calories and 19 grams of protein or just 130 calories, but still 17 grams of protein. You're not wasting all that cardio that you've done by eating one of these things like you are with some other bars. They're low in... uh, and sugar. They're low in net carbs, exactly what you want, whether you're looking to lose or maintain weight because the bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. They're also just delicious. These things are legitimately delicious and I enjoy eating one of these things. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. I just had a shipment come in of lemon to almond cheesecake, caramel brownie cookies and cream. I've enjoyed the peanut butter before, the German chocolate cake, the salted caramel, the mint brownie, the orange and the and the fruit flavors are also really good. So you've got to give them a try if you haven't before and you can do that by going to builtbar.com and using promo code locked on. You're going to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. So we're going to talk about Jackson Hayes here, but I really want to dive into the rotation and some of the inconsistencies and things Stan Van Gundy has said, what it's led to out there on the court, and some things that they might want to look at tweaking or also not tweaking because there's reasons to stay the course right now too. But I want to get into Jackson Hayes first because he was rough against the San Antonio Spurs. He got a bump up in minutes, and this goes into stuff we'll talk about again more tomorrow. We're standing that he said he wanted to kind of give some of these bench guys more minutes to find a rhythm. Playing five minutes here, five minutes there, doesn't really do it. Well, Jackson Hayes got good run in this one. 17 minutes and nine seconds. And in those 17 minutes and nine seconds, he was minus 15. He said, be careful with that plus minus number on the surface, right? I've told you this if you listen to kind of the advanced stat show that we did talking about what some of these numbers mean. That plus minus, individual plus minus in one game can be very misleading. But in 17 minutes, it's a pretty good sample size. When it's like three minutes, it really means less. But Jackson Hayes, you could very clearly see was bad out there on the court in last night's game. Just flat out bad. There's, There's no other way to put it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you all here because you want the truth and that's what I'm paid to do. Guy was ass in this game. It's really that simple. This is not me saying they should give up on him or it was a bust of a pick. He was bad in this game and he's looked bad so far this year. It's just a fact and the numbers bear it out. So in those 17 minutes, he had an offensive rating of 64.9 and 108.3 on defense. It's a negative 43.5. Again, small sample size kind of means that stuff. But if you watched him out there defensively, he looked lost. Now, it's been a season in three games. 
He was supposed to redshirt last year. So how far along should he be, right? That, it's a valid thing to wonder. And I don't think he should be an all-world defender here. But some of the basic things. Stuck in no man's land on defense. There, He's one of the few guys that they'll do some switches with and they'll do some hard hedging with. So a guy sets a pick and he switches onto the ball handler for a second, allowing the, the uh, other defender to kind of recover and get that guard back on a guard and then he gets back on the big. And then instead of going to get back on the big like he should be doing, who's oftentimes out of position, he just stands in the middle of nowhere. He's right there around the free throw line or at the top of that free throw line little circle and he's not defending the man with the ball, but he's also not defending his man, the big man, who's either rolling or kind of slip screening, something like that. He is just in the middle of nowhere, and you saw it burn the Pelicans a number of times tonight. The stretches when he was out there on the court, the defense was atrocious. They were bad, and it's because they were basically playing four on five with Jackson Hayes not knowing at all where to be. Brand, uh, Zion Williamson was good defensively in this one, and that's been the area that we've been knocking him on. He's making more strides in that area than Jackson Hayes. He's also played uh, about the same amount, not necessarily more if you kind of factor in that he was he missed a ton of last season. But Jackson Hayes was bad in this one. Offensively, it was a lot of the same thing too. Look at how he mucked up spacing offensively for New Orleans. I don't think the spacing issue is uh, is really that big of a deal for New Orleans at times when you have Zion and Steven Adams out there. Steven Adams knows where to be, and he's not screwing things up for Zion and the rest of the guys. You see that from uh, Jackson Hayes. He kills it and makes life harder on Zion and harder on other guys out here on, on, the, on the court. He's bad right now. Now, you can argue they still need to play him to develop him, I, I don't disagree with that. That's going to be something we talk about tomorrow when we really dive into some of the rotation stuff because you know what? That's a very valid point. But at the same point, you're also playing the Spurs who have two guys that were drafted at 29. They made the playoffs every single year until last year, and they're able to develop those guys while also winning games. Jackson Hayes is going to cost you a game or two at some point this season if you play him this many minutes and he plays like he did last night. He was that bad. He's going to cost you games. So the question becomes, are you trying to win? Are you trying to develop? Are you trying to do both? Probably both, right? That seems to be what this team is trying to do. Otherwise, you'd be playing Nikhil Alexander-Walker more over some of these other guys, potentially. So they're in a tough spot with this. And we'll get in more to the rotation in that. But Jackson Hayes was really bad. He looked lost out there. He had some nice plays here and there. I'm not saying he was complete crap. But he was not good, and New Orleans easily could have lost this game because of him. One thing I do want to point out that I forgot to mention in the last segment on Lonzo Ball, and we'll wrap up here. I kind of dug a few things that he did. This was a game where Lonzo Ball made an impact out there on the court without it being his three-point shooting. That's usually what it is. Like, if he has a big game, it's because he made threes, right? If he helped the team win, it's because he hit his threes that he needed to hit. Well, Lonzo Ball in this one didn't hit his threes. He was one of five. But he was 7 of 14 from the field overall. 16 points on the night, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and 5 steals. He was really good defensively. That ties into that better individual effort we saw. That when guys aren't trying to just close out on shooters but are able to really play on the perimeter, they do a good job of making a play and forcing a turnover. And you saw New Orleans in this one really get out and run um, a significant amount, much better than the San Antonio Spurs did. 22 fast break points just to 11 for the Spurs. Also, by the way, 
Only eight turnovers for New Orleans. Good, good on you guys. Um, but Lonzo Ball showed off a bit of a, a pull-up floater mid-range game that we hadn't really seen from him consistently. This is a really useful shot for him, and I want to talk about that more a little bit tomorrow, but I do want to give him a lot of credit in this one. If he goes one of five, usually we're going to be like, he's unplayable, you can't do it, he's hurting you. That was not the case in this one, and if we can start saying that more, that's really big for his development as a player and what it's going to do for New Orleans winning basketball games. But we'll talk about more of that a little bit tomorrow and do a bit of a deeper dive on why that type of shot is going to be really important for him um, and this Pelicans team. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Please listen daily if you get the chance. The only show that's here Monday through Friday for you all. No, no, no paywall. Just free podcasts daily on the team giving you your Pelicans fix. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.